Abraham's story is our story. Sometimes we read Bible, Bible studies or we do studies of, of text, and it's hard to see ourselves in the characters, in the events, in what's transpiring, even though I think they're there, and to realize we're as much living in a part of these events as the people we're reading about. Derek was talking about uh, Jacob's on the run from a brother he's alienated. He's on his own for the first time in his life. He's going to see an uncle he's never met. Um, Abraham's family and his descendants are the picture of dysfunctionality. They're a dysfunctional family that needs therapy if any family needs family counseling. Because they're just all over the map. They need help. And God is their therapist for lack of a better term, but they don't want to get counseling. They don't want to sit down around the table with God and sort of work out these issues. So they have some major, major dysfunction over the things that we have major dysfunction over. Marriage, who's marrying who? Who's going to inherit this? Who's going to inherit that? So though this is separated from us by 6,000 years or so, it is separated us in actual from us in actuality by about six minutes or so. This is this is who we are, and and so these stories, uh, like Abraham's, have a uh, strong connection to us, and, and 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 we don't get to Exodus, we don't get to Moses unless we've ridden these back. Uh, dry deserts with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Esau and, and, and headed to Egypt with these guys and all the shenanigans that they've been up to. So I want to tell you a little story. A few years ago, the Bryant family was going to live and work as Methodist missionaries for the Methodist Church of Ireland. Mary and I were going ahead of the girls because we simply needed to get the house set up and take the dog with us. Taking the dog. We would not leave the dog alone. We just couldn't leave the dog. And we had to travel overland through Europe, through countries that allow dogs and did not have quarantine issues until we could get to a ferry ride in France that allowed us to hop on a boat to take her across the Irish Channel. Uh, Ruby, that is. She's over here at the Parsons. Um, and go into the Republic of Ireland proper. So that meant uh, Germany, uh, across Europe, and, and through France, Paris, and then across France over to the seacoast. We got stuck one evening in the town of Rennes, almost to where we were going, but not quite. We were about out of money. 
we're certainly out of out of out of out of time. We had boats to catch. Uh, um, we were um, out of uh, just. We had been traveling for probably three days straight, and we ended up in this. We come from Paris to Rennes because we were trying to make this marathon run to get from Paris to the to the coast to get the boat to get to the Republic to get to Ireland. And we weren't going to make it. So we ended up close to 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning in this train station in Rennes, in, in sort of central France. There was nobody in this train station except a few homeless people, uh, a few police officers, and, and, and not much else. Um, so we didn't know what to do. Our options were really pretty limited at that time. So we thought, well, we could, we, we didn't want to sleep at the train station because we just didn't feel that would be safe. Um, we were going to have to split up. We were going to have to split up, we decided. But I was going to have to take a big chunk of the luggage uh, and go find a hotel. I'm looking at her now to make sure I'm telling this right. Um, and go out into the town at one or two o'clock in the morning and try to find a hotel. And she was gonna stay there with the dog and the other part of the luggage at the train station and try not to get arrested for vacancy. And to see what and to see what happened. And what I'm going to tell you, she can give you more details on later. Um, two things occurred. Uh, there was a, a homeless French woman who sort of befriended her, who sort of sidled up beside her. Truly homeless person. Uh, looked like it, smelled like it. She was she she had very little. And uh, she, she took a few, uh, uh, a euro or two, and she puts this coin in, in Mary's hands and closes her fist over it and tells her that you need this more than I do. Says, you need this more than I do. And then the cops didn't arrest her. Cops had not done anything to this woman. She was apparently a regular there. Next thing you know, she's basically gone. I am going sort of downhill from the train station through the traditional definition of what you would call a red light district in France. There were bars and lights, and they had red, they had red neon signs. And uh, some of them were houses of ill repute. A lot of them were just bars. And I had the, I had borrowed a, a cart I shouldn't have taken from the train station. I'm pushing it, and it's going up and down, up and down, up and down. I'm like, I hope really somebody doesn't want to fight me and stab me or ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. Oh my gosh! Um, and and somebody's gonna want to hurt me. So somebody did stop and ask. 
said, you look lost. You need a hotel. Said, there's just one there for you. And they speak English at the desk around the corner. So it was a big um, palisade, a big open sort of place of fountains around government buildings and I, I around that corner and sure enough there was a hotel and they had rooms. Dropped the stuff off, I'm I'm running to get her and she's she's crying. I'm like, what happened? Did somebody attack you? Uh, you're under arrest. Oh my gosh, well, I, I'm gone uh, 25, 30 minutes to to do this, did some did something happen? No, a French woman put two euro coins in my hands and said that she that I needed them more than her, and she really needed them. But but she said that I needed them more than her, which is true. In that moment, we needed. So whenever I read, we got out of the train station and got into that hotel room, by the way. Whenever I read verse 16 from uh, the lesson we had today from Genesis 28, verse 16, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. I think of that long, long night in Rin. Because thinking of the Lord's presence was the last thing from my mind until I stepped back and realized... The Lord's presence was in this place, and I did not know it. I didn't know it, but the Lord was here. So, so oftentimes, we, we, we think we are in the Lord's presence. We know we are in the Lord. We, we, we come to church. We know we are in the Lord's presence. We, 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 we come to sacred groves of trees, and we know we are in the Lord's presence. We go to meetings at Lake Junaluska, and we know that we are in the Lord's presence. We go to all these places. And, and we know that we are in the Lord's presence. We, 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 we build the box that says God on it. And said that is where God is. And we will be in the Lord's presence when the Lord arrives. But we forget the Lord shows up when we do not expect the Lord to show up. And the Lord shows up in places that we do not expect. And that is how we are pushed further down the road toward the places we need to be. This is a story about expectations. Where do we expect God to work? Where do we expect God to work? Do we have a limited set of expectations on where we think God ought to work? Or do we think God is open for business and can work anywhere and are still open to being surprised by where God can work. And still be caught off guard by God's presence in a last minute corner of a train station in France. 
to the last minute corner of our life. In another way, it's about saying we cannot take God for granted. Because God, on the other hand, has not taken us for granted. God is showing up where we are, whatever strange place it is, whatever strange uh, train station in France it is. God's not taking us for granted. God's showing up there. Um, let's not take God for granted where God is. So it, it's the ladder. It's where the ladder leads. It's not the ladder itself. It's where the ladder starts and get on. And it takes us somewhere that we might not necessarily see. It's where the ladder leads us up to. So it's, it's all those unimagined directions and opportunities for new work and new service. So it's, 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 it's a kind of freedom we've never experienced when we allow God to work in unexpected ways. So I, I, I hope you take Jacob's story, Jacob's story of the ladder, and waking up in that verse 16 in Bethel and not realizing, I didn't realize God was here. I realized I just ran into God. I just walked in the corner. Uh, and I think that happens to me more than anything um, in hospitals. I turn the corner at a hospital and something happens and I meet somebody on a pastoral care and I realize I was in the presence. Something holy was here and I didn't even realize it. And I need to start taking my shoes off and doing something. Because you just run into a holy people. You run into the spirit and presence of God. Um, and that, that, that can happen to all of us. That's not relegated to pastors. God wants that to happen to all of us. God was here. My question, God is here in this place. That is the answer.